Hello everyone, I'm Amrita and I run a travel experience company called Urban Sarai in Nashik. And welcome to Women Who Speak Heritage podcast. In the summer of 2020, as the entire world was under lockdown, I brewed some tea, sat in front of my phone and spoke to some incredible women through Instagram live sessions. We discussed heritage recipes, ancient monuments, the magical portions of the past, Peshwa era fabrics, art deco architecture and much more. These chats range from some very personal stories to solid professional advice to a creative entrepreneur. In today's session I am talking to Saili Palande Datar who doesn't need an introduction. A well-known historian, archaeologist, ecologist and now a farmer, Saili wears many hats. Today we are going to talk about a subject very close to her heart. How to read your heritage with a special focus on India's temples. Here we go. We had this session with Saili um, in the beginning of the series, you know. It was a very interesting session where we discussed her journey, Saili's journey as a historian, ecologist, archaeologist and many other things. It was a very personal session actually about her personal story of how she uh, started learning this and where she is right now. but after that session was over a lot of people approached me and they said you know they want to dig deeper into what she does as a historian what a historian does actually in general not just saying and how to actually look at a monument and understand uh, what to look at so this session is actually on public demand and we want to know saili how do we read a temple or a building or a monument okay um so the Uh, the topic that we both have decided for this session was heritage interpretation broadly we classify uh, heritage as tangible and intangible okay mm. so the intangible heritage the intangibles are of course all the traditions rituals performing arts those things come under intangible heritage ideas so, and you know those uh, uh, the tangible heritage includes all the physical remains that you see something that you can perceive you can see material forms in those uh, i mean art architecture forms a major chunk apart from various artifacts coins sculptures uh, writing engravings archaeological tools archaeological uh, excavated sites all those form uh, part of uh, uh, the tangible heritage that we have and in that uh, temple is kind of important because uh, uh, that's something that has uh, Uh, stayed with us in the saying it has remained with us what has been passed on and uh, we find the remains and uh, uh, architectural remnants of them throughout ages which help us understand the religious ideas which we, uh, help us understand the the uh, the art related ideas various uh, social customs costumes jewelry uh, what is accepted what is not accepted so it's kind of a mirror of that particular time there is of course a spiritual aspect associated with temples and religion within being a place of worship which we call a religious heritage but uh, mm. along with that uh, because it it is kind of a mirror of the history of that time when it was envisaged and done and it has gone mm. undergone subsequent change, changes so you can see those layers through the the material remains and um, in order to see them i think uh, what do, would you do if you go to a temple tell me and i'll try to tell you that what i do so maybe we can compare something like that okay i look at the carvings i look at the murti i look at what uh, animals or what other kind of creatures are carved onto a temple i see 
the shikhara what uh, what is the shape and how it's built but uh, i don't know the style so i don't know how to really interpret you know i can only say that oh this is different this is nice this is interesting but i don't know how to look beyond that see primarily it is built with a purpose every architecture or every material that is formed it has a purpose so being a place of worship whose place hmm. of worship is it say for example if hmm. it is a hindu temple so in that hmm. uh, uh, the primarily uh, the primary audience that it is looking at is a devotee maybe okay True. and now and uh, in our hinduism is not a mono monoethic uh, religion we have various sects various sampradays like a river with all the uh, different uh, traditions you know fused together and it has you might have um, uh, subsects of sects like varkari is a sect vaishnav sampraday is ahe uh, datta sampraday is a sect nath sampraday is a sect there are some hindus who do not even go to temples so uh, we need to first observe people who are coming and what they are doing okay hmm. so what is the how the architecture is planned to guide you into that space so is there a gateway okay is there a compound which is uh, uh, encompassing the temple then whether when you enter how is the direction is there any direction to the movement that you take then uh, hmm. after that you might have a courtyard uh, there hmm. might be certain things like the deep mall or nandi mandapa or vahan mandapa we have just like we have our car parked in our uh, bungalows uh, oh. under a shade we have uh, mounds of various um, various deities uh, parked there like you might have garuda mandap for vishnu or nandi mandap for so essentially devalaya uh, the name itself is uh, where uh, god lives it is a residence okay. of god so and because it's not uh, any uh, mortal human that is living there they it is envisaged as a palace of god the whole temple itself so it won't have a single story building like what we might have it will have multi story buildings that is symbolically represented in terms of shikhara then it would have a circumambulation it would have certain rituals that you are supposed to perform when you go so uh, and while doing that uh, the carvings are not just for entertainment what you describe hmm. me is your own uh, appreciation as an artist maybe but uh, for a devotee uh, of course art is a very important chunk which i personally like to look into the temples but we should understand that what is the sculpture trying to convey you hmm so there is what we call iconographic scheme so while hmm. doing going around the production of path you might see certain uh, sculptures which have a, a certain sequence and they might have a story to tell or they might have some uh, symbolic gestures given sometimes they are uh, uh, only for entertainment as well but sometimes they even tell you uh, uh, the leelas of the god which we are looking at for example if you have uh, shiva then you might have different shiva playing uh, uh, dice game of dice with parvati you might have ravana shaking kailasa you might have uh, all the vadha uh, uh, murtis uh, all the andaka suram vadha suram vadha there are various murtis and all these uh, stories which are depicted come from mythology uh, hmm. some come from the real uh, happenings like a donor couple might be giving a donation etc but you might have this mythology which comes from the purana text so we okay. right from first second century bc like more than 200 uh, 2000 years back we have various things that has come and passed on to the people now everyone cannot really read okay even during those times we don't have people reading a lot 
of scriptures not some were not even allowed to read but if you want to convey a notion of dharma or the religious idea the, the best medium is the sculpture so you make a gallery of sculptures which is viewed as by the people and then they get a message and then you uh, you enter the temple you see ardha mandapa which is a half open uh, mandapa uh, then like a veranda then you have a sabha mandapa even in sabha mandapa is a place of gathering sabha itself it means gathering sometimes it's open sometimes it's semi open is uh, half closed sometimes you have uh, what we'll call windows perforated windows which are called jala vatayana around it okay then uh, uh, while you go there are uh, different stairs and steps which also sometimes have carvings on them you have a hmm. gateway which is called dwara shakha and uh, it hmm. has certain symbols and just like uh, we have name plate in front of our uh, house we saying ki okay this is a uh, mrs amrita ganga tikka lives here similarly we also have gods a depiction in certain forms uh, on the lintel showing okay. by looking at the lintel you sometimes understand okay uh, uh, a, i think it's a vaishnava god i think it's a shaiva god i think it's a surya hmm. inside you know you get that that sort of indicators from all these motifs mortal physical space is converted into a cosmological space so they are envisaging mm-hmm. a, a abode of god uh, all that mythology is then encrusted on that layers to give you an experience mm-hmm. of a celestial or you know superhuman like uh, uh, space in, in that area so uh, no. uh, so i think you should definitely explore all the places that are uh, you know uh, shown garbhagruha is the innermost sanctum sanctorium uh, after mm-hmm. sabha mandap you have Uh, a place called antarala antarala itself is a uh, cosmos sometimes mm. on the uh, ceiling of antarala you have depiction of various uh, uh, gods and uh, even the guardians of directions called uh, ashtadikpalas then after okay. that you enter the garbhagruha through the portal and there you and as you go you will also uh, see a change in the light uh, initially mm. it's all well lit and as you go inside the in order for you to focus and concentrate and uh, you know uh, draw towards that center uh, sanctum you the light reduces as you go to garbhagruha on electricity etc but generally it's a small light uh, diyas that lit up the whole surrounding and then you have the main gods uh, as as in the garbhagruha itself and uh, mm. now uh, as i said ki hinduism consists of uh, many pantheons so god doesn't exist uh, him, uh, like a single sculpture uh, many times you have his parivar devata or a family or a pantheon yeah. around it so if you have a shiva you might have ganpati kartikeya parvati if you have a vishnu you might have lakshmi or garuda you know so you have those things also around it uh, you will also understand based on the sizes the importance is different which we True. call talamani so the the important god is the bigger one the central one then you have secondary mm. gods around it then you have some semi uh, uh, semi divine uh, creatures around it then you will have a mm. uh, mortal human beings depicted as sadhakas upasakas or there might be some battle scenes there might be some you know uh, uh, mythical things around it so you see this hierarchy all along and uh, mm. it goes getting intricate also as you go along Uh, some are very simple uh, if you look at medieval temples for example some uh, in uh, nasik they are not very intricate because we yeah. also have 
seen a, a, a up and down in terms of how temple architecture has evolved and how the craftsmanship has gone up because of good patronage and good support from the rulers or uh, any peaceful times and we also see that how it goes down when there is a war like condition uh, and True. there are uh, destruction or invasions or you know even for uh, ter- uh, in order to terrorize people sometimes the temples are broken down that's also we mm-hmm. see as a part of uh, uh, you know conquest and other such uh, activities so it's a kind of long winding answer to tell you about how but as i said it, it helps to understand mythology it's good to uh, understand the relative proportions you need to open all your senses you need to open your hearing you need to open your sensitivity to the light you need to feel the texture of the in here and it's also a kind of a reflection i mean there is a, uh, there are this ladies which we call uh, celestial beings called um, uh, surasundaris which are depicted on the temples Uh, uh, respected sir dr digilurkar tells us that uh, many of these sundaris have a way of uh, indicating certain things while you go so there is one called darpan darpan sundara or darpana so you uh, that she is uh, looking in the mirror so you are also kind of supposed to look in the mirror and do atma pariksha while you go you know hmm. uh, that sort of uh, philosophical messages sometimes depicted sometimes you have some ritual shown which you are supposed to replicate like you are supposed to take uh, a flower with you or uh, uh, there sometimes you have a ganga yamuna shown at the doorways uh, and they are mm. carrying a hot water a water full of uh, pot full of water which you are supposed to put on the shivlinga and you know those sort of rituals are seen so mm. uh, you need to open your eyes and not just look at it as a tourist you may not uh, be uh, a extremely religious person but you need to look at the style what are the people wearing how are their headdresses how are their postures do you see uh, the sculptures uh, the narrative panels do you see any animal depictions that will hmm. give you understanding of what the people in those days thought for example i'll just tell you a small example we have a temple called trishundya ganpati in pune uh, hmm. which is a 18th century temple so quite late and there there are depictions of british soldiers and rhinoceros so everyone was wondering why is there a rhinoceros here but then we can, we if you look into the history during that same time uh, british had conquered assam and bengal and hmm. assam uh, was symbolized by that rhino and the hmm. british uh, were depicted so sometimes you see some novel things being depicted which uh, dip- uh, which uh, indicate the social events of that time so True. actually it's not prescribed in any temple architecture books we have shastra textbooks which tells you ki how you are supposed to build a temple can you name a few yes. on temple uh, architecture we have right from mahabharata onwards we have many places where there are few indications mm-hmm. that to be built kautilya arthashastra okay. gives okay. you some indications we have uh, it tells you that you are supposed to erect uh, the uh, devatas at the crossroads sauka ओरिस्ता फॉर एक्साम्पल हैज इट्स ओन शिल्पशास्त्र टेक्स्ट 
which gives you even the dimensions and how you are supposed to make things it gives you permutation and combinations of uh, plans and uh, shikhara um, levels and different names for that so uh, as a part of study of temples you need to go through what are the prescriptions they will not be followed through and through but they help you understand the language of the temple so True. that's it yeah this was a very long answer to yeah. the question yeah it's actually the topic of a lecture <laughs> what you asked me <laughs> the yeah. lectures not just one lecture i think many lectures but mm-hmm. you know i was listening to you and as a lay person who does not understand architecture or iconography mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. i had a few questions while you were talking and i'll ask you and just then we'll go to the next uh, question first question was um, why do we have pradakshina and why are we supposed to go around the temple uh, basically uh, it is a circumambulation gives you uh, it's a, it's a symbolic gesture of you might have heard the story about ganpati and kartike going around the uh, shiva parvati and prithvi in a, all the three indian religions buddhism jainism and uh, hinduism we have a tradition of uh, tirtha yatra so tirtha yatra is you where you travel and where you visit the places which has some important sacred importance mahatmyam uh, associated hmm. with them why do we people go to trambakeshwar why people go to nasik because there is some mythological or religious importance associated with that place so uh, that uh, you cannot do, do on everyday basis but hmm. by going around a temple uh, you hmm. are in a way venerating all the sculptures which are on your path hmm. and you are also venerating the god inside so that is a symbolic gesture to say that you are respecting uh, god or you know that sort of thing so and uh, along with just one god you get to see other gods and you uh, are supposed to um, uh, remember them revere them while you are doing the production hmm okay so now we have entered the temple uh, we are now going to enter actually the sabha mandap and you always see these two faces when you take a first step inside and okay. uh, called kirti mukh hmm. this is the only knowledge i have about them but a lot of people ask me ki what are hmm. those and what is the significance of those two faces because they are seen everywhere so okay. can you just tell us what they mean now there are two examples uh, two uh, explanations for this uh, these sort of uh, ghoulish or you know uh, demon like faces are seen right from uh, 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 right away they can date up to 2000 years back right from mm-hmm. gandhara art to like in buddhism jainism and hinduism you see them many times uh, depicted in parts in architectural parts or in uh, as bait as a base of sculpture etc but uh, mm-hmm. in mythology there is a story of related to shiva that is given you have a king called uh, a demon king called jalandhara who wanted to oh. get a parvati uh, as his wife and in order to challenge shiva he sends rahu to to uh, uh, engulf uh, moon uh, shiva gets angry and shiva opens his third eye and he creates a demon which is was called kirti it was a lion like demon and looking at him of course then rahu was scared and then jalandhar you know took mm-hmm. back his demand but then uh, there was a uh, whole issue of how do you calm this demon down kirti mm-hmm. uh, the kirti so and mm-hmm. he was to be fed no one knew what to feed him so shiva ordered that kirti that you start eating your own body so it, mm. it started all its limbs and only the head remained 
and looking at the devotion that that kirti showed to shiva shiva was pleased and shiva said that i'm really happy with your uh, atma samarpan and i want you to be with me everywhere so uh, it is uh, it is given a place at the base of uh, at the, on the stairs or along the uh, what we call kirti mukhathara uh, on the temple sometimes it is seen on the uh, stamba or a pillars so all these depictions are seen but i think that form uh, has a, a role of uh, uh, either warding of evils uh, just like ghouls we have in the western culture and it also has a the uh, function of kshetrapala in the sense hmm. it, it to guard uh, guard the uh, so that other uh, uh, other uh, nuisance causing element should not enter that step only the good kind of people should enter you know it's hmm. kind of a watchdog sort of thing that you see and because that yes. feature is very interesting and can be molded in different ways many craftsmen have utilized it everywhere right from all the ornaments that you see on the deities you see that uh, kirti mukha is seen everywhere yes hmm. there is a question are there any food related depictions uh, on our uh, on our temples uh, yes there are i mean food we also we have a good depiction of a lot of flora fauna Uh, right from hmm. mangoes and different trees that are associated with different gods and goddesses food uh, like depictions uh, i mean uh, for example uh, you would have a uh, ganesh always shown with modaka or a, hmm. uh, uh, or some sort of prasad that he is eating but uh, mostly narrative panels would have something like that as i said there are a lot of secular narrative panels or something like in ajanta paintings for example you see a rich depiction of food so you can see uh, what is being served to the kings what is being eaten at uh, or what is being cooked by the king's cook etc those things can be seen but there is no separate place as such for foods and as i said you are supposed to offer things to the gods so those things are depicted but uh, nothing specifically as such as what comes as a part of the material culture of that time hmm okay sailly there are some uh, mythological or mythical animals that we see on a temple Hmm. Can you talk a little about them? And what are the different types? Like I know, I know the lions. I mean, uh, if we start talking about that, there are diff- very different kind of animals, uh, which are many of them are, of course, these are uh, superhuman, like or you know, uh, magical creatures, just like what you hmm. might see in uh, Harry Potter, maybe. So you have, uh, uh, as I said, this Kirti Mukha is one. Then we have what we call Sharabha. or a vyala they, they look like lion or a tiger but they have different parts as their uh, i mean different animal parts as their body what they are trying to do is they try to show that the uh, that beast has power of more than one creature so they compose uh, uh, or imagine certain animals which are like this uh, uh, similarly we have makara makara is not a crocodile makara is a animal which has a, a snout like elephant which has a claws like a lion which has a body okay. like a, a crocodile which has a tail like a peacock you know there are this five six animals which are uh, depicted uh, just today yeah. i posted one uh, which is you yeah. which is called makara pranala pranala is something that you know uh, uh, allows the water to flow so makara pranala is uh, makara is a mount of uh, god varuna which is a okay. god uh, ha so uh, so that is kind of an architectural element or a utility element is then Uh, crafted as a form of a cosmic animal to hmm. increase the beauty or you know give it a some sort of aesthetic value 
as such. Hmm. That sort of Makara is seen a lot. We have Airavata, which is Indra's, uh, uh, which has a uh, six trunks and uh, uh, six trunks uh, to it, and it's a white elephant that Airavata is. So similarly, hmm. there are quite few uh, animals. We also have many animals coming because of the Greek and Roman trade that we have. Because uh, okay. Alexander came around three hundred twenty-four BC. Uh, along mm-hmm. with him, we have some Hellenistic elements coming to India, which are absorbed mm-hmm. in our culture. Similarly, through Rome, we have certain elements coming. Uh, like uh, uh, it's not a very uh, famous form, but uh, in uh, in some of the caves in western in uh, coast in western coast, Kuda, etc., you have depiction of what we call hippogriff, which is like a dragon-like horse. which is seen okay. you know these sort okay. of animals are uh, then later are adopted in indian culture and are then mm-hmm. distributed to some uh, of the deity or they form some uh, uh, part of some mythological story so that's mm-hmm. how we have these animals all around uh, mm-hmm. i mean one can write a book about it actually frankly if you ask me there are a lot of nagas and yakshas and uh, uh, it was believed that the garudas and nagas are the Uh, the kind of different uh, you know superhuman quality asleli uh, as uh, there are these beings that exist in our way we have fairies hmm. and yakshas uh, many of hmm. the buddhist caves if you see have all these yakshas associated with them which are hmm. their guardian yakshas like bhaje has a veda yakshi then uh, there is sundara yaksha for nasik it's depicted hmm. on the one of the panels in on nasik caves all these yakshas okay. are uh, they come from folk religion But are adopted okay. by Buddhism, and that, okay. those are depicted, uh, and they are shown with pixie ears, and they uh, they have different sort of ear and body shapes and uh, facial features which are not like humans, you know. Then we okay. have kinnaras. The kinnaras are bird-like uh, beings with um, the torso of humans. Then we have centaurs. Then we have hmm. pegasus. Pegasus is also seen, and they have their own name sometimes. Uh, uh which we find in the text we need to read through the text to find their uh, con- uh, or to contextualize them in certain uh, religious sense or cultural sense yes okay saili can you read the comments yes i'm i'm reading two i can just see two yeah. one is about shalabanjika and second is about gopura and uh, gopura gateways initially okay. uh, the, these are uh, glorified gateways you can see in madurai you have a minakshi temple which is a central temple and outside hmm. the gateways uh, are uh, imagined as gateways of the heavens so uh, people started uh, building them uh, at a uh, uh, just to show their political prowess and to show their um, dominance uh, in general uh, many hmm. of the south indian dynasties ha- had this combination of building higher and higher gateways so if you look okay. at chola gateways and other gateways they they are really huge the temple may be not that huge but the mm. gopuras have this increasing height as you go outside like you uh, so uh, a person who is entering the city is already awed uh, by the whole appearance and then there you have depictions of uh, of the puras of uh, i mean imagined puras of the heavens etc you have all the gods depicted and you know it's like the whole uh, cosmos being depicted in there but is as i said it's mainly a cosmological understanding of that uh, deity and its sampradaya and its uh, space uh, heavenly space that is being symbolically represented okay i think quite like today's times right where people want to build the tallest building in the world 
I yes. think uh, human beings are the same. Ha, but we so, attribute it to gods, not to us. I mean, uh, Shalabhanjika, do you want to talk about? Uh, the whole idea of Shalabhanjika is a lady who is breaking a branch or holding a branch. Okay, Shala okay. is a Shala uh, is a branch, uh, and Banjika is someone who is breaking or holding it. We see the first depiction of when during Maya, you know Maya Devi, who is a, a mother of Gautam Buddha. So she, uh, she uh, gave birth to Buddha by holding a branch uh, okay. of a uh, of a tree, Shala tree in a Lumini forest. While she was traveling, certainly she had this delivery uh, pains, and then she uh, got down and while holding the branch, she gave the birth, and uh, and that form is uh, of course uh, it has a, a fertility related association because it's a uh, it's a birth uh, uh, event that's happening. Plus, it's a shallow tree. Tree and uh, women are always have this association of fertility, and there are these notions in some of. Place in the some of the trees like Sita Chaushu, Saraka Indika. There is this belief that uh, if a, a beautiful lady kicks the branch, only then it will flower. You know, so oh. you can try. <laughs> so, uh, so this sort of uh, <laughs> so uh, so that sort of uh, uh, associations uh, also have this erotic um, divine association of uh, with trees. Uh, it's also related to what we call. Uh, Yakshini, uh, the go- goddesses or semi-divine creatures which are residing in the trees. So hmm. that semi-divine association has later traveled, and that hmm. integrated in the pantheon of whichever god we are worshiping. And th- these are particularly depicted on the outside uh, on the outside panels or any of the temples in early medieval times. I wanted to actually talk about the erotic uh, sculptures on the temples. So okay. a lot of people ask this question actually whenever I conduct heritage walks or tours in Nasik, a lot of people ask this question that how and why these erotic sculptures are on the temple. One needs to really look at what is exactly you are defining as erotic. Now we have uh, we are we are we are living in twenty first century and the temple if it is built maybe four hundred years back or one thousand years back their uh, association whether their understanding of ethical or moral or acceptable dressing sense is different than what we have for uh, till so, british we do not have uh, indian women wearing a chori uh, uh, like thing a blouse kind of thing on the top so uh, because we live in a tropical country so uh, just because sculpture is semi nude or is not wearing uh, on the upper uh, the, the upper part is bare doesn't mean it's a erotic sculpture Okay. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we have, uh, as I said, fertility and procreation and has association with prosperity in Indian culture. We have couples depicting something auspicious, uh, a man and woman standing next mm-hmm. to each other, intermingling. It is a sort of uh, uh, procreation is considered as a divine act or a magical act because they did mm-hmm. not know why a certain thing why why a child is being created through such association so it is considered as a like a happy couple depicted in the auspicious symbol for many okay. of the temples and this is also not these are what we call amorous couples these are not erotic always erotics mm-hmm. are generally who are uh, engaged in uh, outright uh, sexual acts or uh, events mm-hmm. those we can call erotic but many of them even might have Uh, some uh, ritualistic significance or tantric significance. It is not black okay. magic. It is not something to be afraid of. But 
there are certain uh, sadhanas which were done by uh, some of the shaiva sadhus or some of the tantric sects shakta sects which has this as a part of their ritual at 8th century to 13th 14th century we have lot of tantrism in many of our uh, sects even buddhism and jainism and uh, hinduism so even at khajura if you see uh, there are very few sculptures which are overtly erotic and hmm. you need not really look down upon them because i think the people who depict them had a very different perception of what it, it is uh, today we live in a place uh, which is where i mean india was ruled by uh, by uh, england and during victorian times the uh, standards of morality and these are quite different that has actually made us less liberal about things before that we see there is much more liberal attitudes towards all this things that you see around so maybe we should put ourselves in the shoes of our ancestors and try to look at it rather than mm. looking down upon and i think um, the one interesting thing about indian religion says it never looks at it as something of an entertainment act or it's not uh, uh, seen as something ashleel nahi hai the it's not uh, uh, it's not porn it's not a porn it's a, actually uh, there is a divinity associated with eroticism and mm. uh, and a woman's body or a female body is considered as a combination of two because she can procreate so she is a magical creature and plus there is a beauty associated it so let's celebrate that beauty that sort of a very open liberal attitude is seen in many of these depictions so and uh, we will of course have to look at what context that sculpture exists and then we can give a more explanation but this is like a general two three things that i wanted to tell you about yeah just the basic yeah then yeah, there is about lajja gauri uh, you can talk about lajja gauri ha it's a again it's a, a bit of a a detailed answer if i have to give because there's a whole book written by dr rachim dehri about lajja gauri uh, okay. lajja gauri is where there is her uh, she is a, a goddess without a head and she has okay. a lotus instead of uh, instead of her head uh, holding okay. lotuses in her arms and her uh, vaginal area is enlarged and it is worshiped so we have something okay. like kamakya or chakambari devi of badami all these are lachagauris in different forms we have such centers in alampur etc it, it comes from a folk origin and later it was uh, 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 assimilated in indian in hindu religion uh, especially if you see depiction in uh, elora for example in pashupata caves and so on it also has association with renuka so called renuka she is called uh, aditi uttanapad so there are these different names that we find in different course of time but lajjagauri as a term is not old it's a new term and it's actually a misnomer this is not it's a alajjagauri it's okay. it's a not shameless so she is called lajjagauri okay so it's alajja and not lajja no no we call her lajjagauri but sometimes you have a uh, like for example aghora uh, aghora is the name of shiva the whole, hmm. is who is not ghor who is not hmm. uh, 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 but uh, but depiction of aghora is a very uh, ugra sort of depiction if you see so we have hmm. this way of naming certain things at total opposite for the dramatic effect sometimes so similarly lajjagauri has this dramatic effect <laughs> okay okay yeah so uh, you know sailly whenever we talk about temples we talk about this is a shaiva temple this is a vaishnavite temple you know broadly we know what what does, what that means you know uh, if it's a shaiva temple it means we worship shiva inside the temple 
it's a vaishnava temple it's vishnu but what exactly these two terms mean is there any detailed uh, answer to this question well, i think these are quite uh, generalized terms i would say as i said uh, see frankly all we lay indian hindus today would hmm. not be very staunch in the vaishnavites or shaivites unless you are initiated in some sampradays or into hmm. or shaktas for that matter if you, uh, you know that initially we have vedas as the text and vedic religion which followed after that we had puranas so in purana hmm. uh, uh, the mainstream that emerged were shaiva and vaishnava so the pantheon hmm. was built accordingly hmm. and uh, along with that we have saurav which is a surya uh, devotees we have shakta which are all the uh, shaktis or the goddesses which are worship we have ganapatyas all the sampradayas origin from puranic texts and now hmm. uh, uh, i mean there are two types of people there are laity and then there are initiated uh, uh, you know very strictly practicing people uh, who practice that religion the sampradayas hmm. Uh, who are, who have undergone sadhana sometimes they uh, even uh, renounce the uh, worldly pleasures to go and do that we have for example you must have seen the sadhus that come to nasik or kumbha mela that was who are like follower of certain path or certain marg so that sort of uh, strict compartmentalization does not exist in the lay hindu uh, uh, religion or hindu practicing households uh, today we have people who are vaishnavas because they are following all the vaishnava related uh, festivals maybe or they are following all the rituals related the main deities in their uh, uh, houses vishnu but many of the temples that we see around uh, the central deity defines whether it's a vaishnava affiliation or a shaiva affiliation but as i said because this uh, things are getting mixed we have parivar devatas and we have multiple it's like a super mall of gods and goddesses mm. the whole pantheon when it comes together you cannot really uh, differentiate that this is uh, shaiva and this is vaishnava sometimes you have though the central deity is uh, like somewhere in kailasa for example in at erora the is a kailasa so it's a abode of shiva but on the yeah. uh, surrounding you have different deities depicted you have surya you have madana you have uh, Ma- whole ramayana and mahabharata depicted so it's like oh. a whole thing brought together so as i said in iconographic scheme and the central deity if there is a dominance of vaishnava elements and we can say it is a vaishnava temple and if there is a dominance of shaiva elements we'll say it's a shaiva temple if there is a central deity which is a surya we'll say it is a surya temple or if there is a devi in the center we'll say it's a devi temple so hmm. that sort of uh, uh, i mean the affiliations we do define because then we understand why certain temple is made in certain way and what does sculpture tell us about is it telling us more about devi or other things so mm. i think i answered or maybe i have left some part of your question and i kind of lost the i think mostly you answered but i also think that this is not a very this is not a topic that can be explained within a minute yes. or something i think this needs a session yes. in its and uh, we have we don't have much time now i actually wanted to talk about buddhist and jain monuments as well because india is mm. not just in temples it has the um, buddhist jain uh, islamic you know christian all sorts of monuments but that mm. is not going to happen i think right now so i i think at least we have a basic idea of what to see in a temple and at least notice you know 
take notes and go back home and then do some more research to yes. understand uh, after this session so i think um, uh, people who attended like since uh, beginning to now i think at least they can just go in a temple or a, uh, or a monument and you know uh, feel that okay i heard this this is something different please visit monument you should never go in a hurry and you should hmm. go when there are less people and really explore the surrounding of any monument even not just temple even if it's a cave or a, a other monument as well try to see all the parts and why certain things are designed in certain way try to experience hmm. the spaces wanting you to have so through hmm. that you should understand and another thing we did not talk about was the dating of things for for as an archaeologist dating something is very important i love i say i date yes, all the stones so for us it's very important to establish the space and time context for every artifact or any piece of historical evidence we see so that we can use it for any analysis we do later you cannot keep it hanging in the air or you know say that this or uh, this is what the god created you cannot have this sort of because we believe we in scientific uh uh you know approach towards this subject as an archaeology or iconography and so on so uh, there are certain markers for every period that we can understand for example i'll just tell you a very simple thing not just about temple but you know arch arch is a invention that has come to earth very uh, dominantly around 13th 14th century when the islamic culture came to india it brought the technology of arches and domes and then you see the locals as well as the various dynasty islamic dynasties have incorporated them in their structures so mm. if you want to date a monument and if you see a arch you can more or less be sure that it is something the uh, 12 13th century at least before okay. it cannot date before that you know these sort of uh, small small things you need to observe the kind of stone mm. that is used what is the choice of people uh, why certain things done in a certain way why a pillar is made like this if it is a octagonal pillar in the cave what it means if it is a, a quite elaborately dressed pillar what it means all these things help us to date so and contextualize a monument if you have an inscription now if that inscription hmm. is brahmic script then i'll hmm. i'll try to which period brahmi that is if it is hmm. in a in a devanagari script i will then try to see what period it belongs to so we try mm. to date anything that you see in a monument or a heritage structure uh, if you see corinthian pillar format that matter you know it's is it's a quite a later period maybe it's a near and is a monument maybe you know all those sort of markers help us to uh, contextualize and date this monument and it's kind of mm. a skill and it's a fun also is like a small mini detective activity you can do when you go <laughs> to any monument and understand so the kind yeah. of shikhara that it has the pillar it has the sculpture mm. style for example times if you there is a temple um, on the border of uh, aurangabad and um, ahmednagar called kaigao toki and it looks mm. like a very old monument okay but if you see all the uh, all the uh, sura sundar is there they are wearing ghagra kind of thing okay which is a mogal okay. very mogal style of uh, dressing sometimes you see hmm. a mogal headgear sometimes you see a, hmm. a, a beard which is a quite a recent sort of beard so all those things can tell you ki oh this might be a bit later period monument otherwise if you hmm. see the stone and the carving they give you a feeling that it is a very old monument okay so, 
as i said even the previous example i gave about the british soldiers being depicted now british soldiers would not exist 1000 years back so it has so, to be a something which when the, when british came to india it should be after that sometime this might have happened or you hmm. will then have to find a event to explain this if they have come hmm. earlier so my appeal to many people is that uh, in maharashtra especially there is a tendency to say that this is pandav kalin this is shiv kalin and this is peshwa hmm. kalin we have just have three periods uh, there is nothing like pandav kalin in fact uh, as an archaeology mahabharata and ramayana are, are formed the cultural epics of india these are kavyas they might have hmm. some root in history but we do not know what germ of history exactly it has we haven't found any mahal which says ki okay this is pandavan samhal we have not found no. a, 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 in ayodhya i mean this is a, of course this is a very controversial thing but there is no rama's mahal or dashratha's mahal which is there there is no parnakuti which belongs to sita uh, uh, at nasik which is there you know they they might be recreated now the, all the textual sources need to be collaborated with the physical evidence to say that this exists so pandava uh, term uh, or sitechi uh, nahani bhimacha he all these terms that are used to describe some really old monuments in our country are indicative of that these are old monuments so if mm-hmm. i go to a village i'll ask ithe kai pandavani banle lai ka pandav kalin te dis tai ka if i ask this question then people answer me ki ha nahi tai de te dongravar te aaye pandavani banlele hai त्यांचा महाल आहे तिथे भीमा काय रात्री त्यांनी मंदिर बांधायला घेतलं अँड मग कोंबडा आरवला मध्ये थांबलं असं यु नो ऑल दे हॅव दिस ऑल अनिकडोट्स टू गिव्ह मी अबाउट दॅट प्लेस बट वेन यू गो दॅन यू अंडरस्टँड इफ यू लुक अँड अनालाइज दंटेक्शलाइज इट इन अ टाइम ओके जरी दिस पिलर्स आर अदर पिरियड ओके हिअर इज अन इन्स्क्रिप्शन ऑफ सिंगणा राजा ओके हिअर दिस इज दिस based on the ukesu kari this is yadav kali temple which is now broken down so mm-hmm. in this way we demystify the mystery and the myth around a historical place so i think mm-hmm. as a traveler and as a heritage enthusiast you people should also try to do this okay i think we have had a very long chat with yeah. full of lot of information <laughs> and for the time being i think we should stop Yes, yes. Let's stop. Even people must be tired. They need to have their chai now. So thank okay. you so much, Aditi, for doing this again and uh, giving us uh, time again after last session. And hope to see you again. I'm really thankful to all the audience to for, yes. for being here yes. and participating in the discussions. Thank you so much, all. I will see you for the next session, which is the last session of this series, and then I'm going to take a break. So please meet me tomorrow. 